Okay, I want to start the show today by responding to a few tweets I got over the weekend. So what happened is I sent out probably the least controversial tweets in the history of Twitter. Absolutely non-controversial. This is what I said. I said, truly the saddest thing in the world is when people deliberately choose not to have children. The most wonderful, fulfilling, sanctifying thing is having a baby with your spouse. Have lots of babies. And I sent out this tweet. It was actually this tweet I sent out about a week ago. It wasn't even it wasn't even when the tidal wave of responses hit. But over the over the course of this past weekend, I my phone has been blowing up. A tidal wave of blue check marks have been responding to this tweet. And it, it's it's funny, actually. They're British. These people that are responding, these blue check marks are from Britain. And I was clued into the fact that these folks, these these leftists, these blue check marks were from Britain because I started getting called ad hominem names that I didn't recognize. For example, several people called me a FUD. F-U-D. And I was like, what the heck is a FUD? So I I looked up this word to see what it is. It is, in in fact, a Scottish slang. Apparently, it's a derivative of the word fuddy-duddy, which makes sense. I was like, oh, okay. But it's not used in the innocuous way that fuddy-duddy is used. It's, uh, I guess it means female genitalia. So you can see somewhat where these responses are going. Um, So I want to make one thing very clear about who I'm not talking about in this tweet. When I say the saddest thing in the world is when people deliberately choose not to have children, I'm not talking about people who struggle with infertility. Of course not. I mean, I've been there. It took us three years to get my daughter. I lost our first baby. This is, it's heartbreaking. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, honestly. The hardest thing I've ever been through is um, that journey with infertility. And so my heart goes out to everybody who struggles with that. I got a lot of tweets from people saying, oh, I have endometriosis. I don't know if I'll ever be able to have children. And I mean, this is going to be part of the point that I make tonight, but the fact that people with endometriosis feel that they can't have children or the medical industry tells them that they can't because of that because of that condition, I mean, shows somewhat what I'm talking about, how this anti-natalist movement, this this child, hashtag child-free movement is anti-woman because there are things you can actually do if you have endometriosis. You can um, read Dr. Brooke Goldner. You can read her. You can look at NAPRO technology. There are things that you actually can do, but that's tangential to the point that I'm making. So of course, I'm not talking about people who have illnesses that preclude them from having children. That actually corroborates my point, right? The people who are who are in, misinterpreting what I'm saying here and they say, oh, listen, I, I have illness. This tweet is horrible and I'm not able to have children. No, you're corroborating my point because I said it's the saddest thing when people deliberately choose not to have children when they're able to have children. And it's heartbreaking if there's some some reason when people want to have children that um, that makes them unable to. So here's the thing. The leftists, the blue check marks, the the British people who are who are sending all these tweets my way, these hateful tweets, they know it. They are willfully misinterpreting what I'm saying because it's very obvious what I mean in my tweet. The, the words that I wrote are very clear. I know it's only 280 characters, but leftists are deliberately misunderstanding what I'm saying in order to, well, in order to push their political agenda and to paint my political agenda as something that it is not. But this is exactly what the anti-natalist movement is. The anti-natalist movement, you might have seen these billboards. They've been popping up um, in cities around the country here in the United States. They say, stop having kids. It's these big black billboards. You can see a picture of it on the screen. These big black billboards with with block letters, white writing, stophavingkids.org, stophavingkids.org. And I, I went to, I went to that website. I clicked on it and it's, It's a sad thing to look at that website. They are an organization 
that, and this is a quote from their website, they say, we should seek to exclude as far as is practically possible having human children. New children will be subject to needless cruelty, potential exploitation, suffering, and death. They will likely perpetuate this cruelty, exploitation, and death towards others, whether it's done deliberately or not, and whether they become vegan or not. New children add to pollution and environmental destruction, which has far-reaching and harmful consequences that impact all living beings, present and future. So as you can see, these people are crazy. These are, these are, this is a psychotic ideology. They're very pro-abortion. They're, um, they're climate change criers to the extremes. They're radical vegans. And let me just clarify what that means. A normal vegan is someone like me who doesn't eat meat for health-related reasons. A radical vegan is someone who equates an animal um, or the rights of an animal to the rights of a person. They make no distinction between a human being who has a soul and an animal who does not have a soul. So these are radical vegans. They are also radical leftist feminists. This is the anti-natalist movement. The anti-natalist movement um, operates under hashtag on Twitter, hashtag child free in which they celebrate, encourage, and actually lobby for women not to have children. And it is these folks who, I, I do want to take a minute and respond to some of the tweets that they sent to me, sent to me because they are worth responding to. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. My favorite thing about Cozy Earth sheets is how fresh and clean and crisp they feel when you climb into bed. What makes Cozy Earth different is the sheets keep feeling that fresh and that clean even after the first night. Why? Well, because the wrong sheets can trap body heat, leaving you boiling one minute and freezing the next, which is gross. Not so with Cozy Earth, which provides the softest, most luxurious and best temperature regulating sheets on the planet. It's like sleeping on a cloud. Then if you don't believe me, Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's most favorite things list four years in a row. They're made from bamboo. Cozy Earth sheets breathe so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all year round. And with thousands of five-star reviews, including mine, it's no wonder that Cozy Earth sheets have become the bedding of choice for interior designers and celebrities. And if you're not completely in love with them, you can send them back for a full refund. Our audience, those watching and listening to this show today can save 35% on Cozy Earth Bamboo Bedding if you use my URL. 35% we're talking here. Just go to CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. You have to hurry because this offer ends soon. It's CozyEarth.com slash L-I-Z-3-5. CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. Okay, so let me bring up some of the responses that I got to this tweet. I want to reread this tweet again. I said, truly the, the saddest thing in the world is when people deliberately choose not to have children. The most wonderful, fulfilling, sanctifying thing is having a baby with your spouse. Have lots of babies. This, of course, is begot of the joy that I have of my own daughter. It's such a wonderful thing to be a parent. These are some of the responses, however, that I received. Um, someone, let me see. Someone says, I will never be having kids out of pure spite towards you. Hope you're happy, Liz Wheeler. <laughs> This makes little to no sense to me to invite someone to share the joy. Um, someone else says, I'm lost for effing words. I do what I want when I want. I choose not to have children. I'm not sad at all. What pisses me off is women like you assuming children is the only way to be fulfilled in life. I feel sorry for you. Hashtag my choice. So this is interesting. First of all, you seem like a delight. You seem really happy. You seem you seem like you're, you're really confident in your life choices, not defensive at all. Um, when you say hashtag my choice, I'm not trying to force this on anybody. This, this is not a matter, this is not a handmaid's tale. I know that leftists immediately like to um, resort to the hyperbole here, but no one's trying, no one's trying to force you to have children. I'm just telling you 
what the truth of the matter is. And this is not just my opinion. This is actually statistically proven. We're going to get to that in a little bit. The next tweet says, quote, truly the saddest thing in the world is when people deliberately choose to force their worldview and lifestyle onto others. If you don't see a better purpose for yourself than to procreate, I feel sorry for you. And while you're at it, mind your own effing business, Liz. So again, again, with the choice thing, I'm not, I'm not forcing my worldview on you. I'm just telling you the objective truth. Now, objective truth is difficult for people to accept if they don't want to, if it's inconvenient. Again, this is a point that I'm going to get into more in a minute because there is objective truth whether or not people recognize that it exists. There is objective truth regarding our spiritual purpose, whether or not you accept religion, whether or not you accept God, he is there and the purpose that he has for you is there. The other thing here, this sentence really got me though. This is why I picked this tweet to read. If you don't see a better purpose for yourself than to procreate, I feel sorry for you. This is interesting, actually. It's an interesting thought experiment. What, what is a better purpose than, than to create a new soul, than to create a new life? What, 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 what is fulfilling to you? It, it, what, 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 do you, what do you think your life should be dedicated to? What's your higher purpose in life if not, if, if not to have children? Do you, are you fulfilled more by your stuff, by your job? What, what is fulfillment in life? What is your purpose in life if not children? And of course, by having children, this is a way to glorify God. What is, what is your higher purpose? This, this is also a question that I want to think about a little bit because it's very interesting. And then this, this tweet too. What kind of anti-feminism crap is this? No woman should ever feel forced to have a child. Agreed. They've not and never have failed at being human if they decide not to have a child. What's sadder is when people deliberately have kids and don't give them the love, nurture, and respect. So anti-feminism, let's define feminism for a second. If you're talking about equality for women, then of course, I agree with that. If you're talking about modern feminism, this, this man-hating um, degradation of femininity, this rejection of our biology, then yeah, I'm anti. I'm, I'm anti that kind of feminism crap. And I'm very proud to stand in that camp. No woman should ever force, feel forced to have a child they're not and never have failed at being human. So th this, is, this is why I say that these people have fallen prey to the radical leftist agenda and the radical feminist agenda, because these are not things that I, that I ever said. They're, they're putting words in my mouth. I never said that you fail as a human being if you don't have a child. I mean, there are a lot of people who have dedicated their lives um, to being chaste and single and therefore don't have biological children of their own and have extremely fulfilling and valuable lives. I mean, think about Mother Teresa. Think about priests. Think about, you know, there, there are a lot of different people who chose singlehood and chose therefore not to have children within within a marriage and they have incredibly valuable lives. So I would never for a second say that someone failed as a human being, but the radical leftist ideology teaches these people who are responding to look at what I say and not to read what I say and hear what I say, but to willfully misinterpret what I say, which is well, it's dumb. So, and here's a, here's a really interesting tweet. Someone said, truly the saddest thing, when people deliberately choose to have children they don't actually want, the most tragic, damaging, traumatizing thing is having a baby that neither you or your spouse can or want to care for, don't have unwanted babies. So this phrase right here, don't have unwanted babies, this shows you that this individual is compromised by the radical leftist agenda because don't have unwanted babies. What is an unwanted baby? What, what is an unwanted baby? This this is a pro-abortion talking point. The 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 pro-abortion lobby at this point in our country knows that they've lost the war on whether or not an unborn baby is a human being. We have established scientifically, as well as, of course, theologically, that an unborn baby is a human being. Therefore, there's no justification for killing that unborn baby. 
a long time ago, the abortion lobby tried to pretend that science, it was undetermined. We didn't know when life began. And so, you know, just, just to play it on their side, we'd go ahead and allow abortion to be illegal until that was settled. Well, now we know. And since it's a horrendous thing to think of killing human beings in the womb, they try to distract, they try to distract from that. And they say, actually, if you care about your child, if you want the best for your child, you'll kill them. If in, in case they have a life, that's not an ideal life. This is a very planned parenthood type of talking point um, right here. The, the other part of this, of course, is the part that nobody wants to talk about. It's the, it's the context of sex. So what's an unwanted baby? An unwanted baby is defined by the left as parents who were engaging in sex, knowing that the purpose of sex is, or one of the purposes of sex is procreation, but unwilling to take the responsibility of the fact that the choice that they made to have sex could could literally beget a child, could, could result in procreation. So if you don't, if you aren't in a situation where you can bear the responsibility of a child, if you can't take care of a child, then you shouldn't be engaging, you shouldn't be having sex. If, if, it's, it's, if it's to the point that you have to actually reject a child, if you have to abort that, if you feel that you have to abort that child, then you shouldn't be having sex in the first place. Next tweet says, this sounds like something someone who shares a Facebook account with their partner would say, but okay, now, now, now. Now, 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 you can call me every name in the book. You can call me every Scottish slang word for obscene body parts if you want to, but I would never, ever share a Facebook account with um, with my husband. In fact, I gotta admit, my husband and I make fun of our friends who do this, if we ever have friends who do this. I would never in a million years do that. How dare you? Um, okay, let's keep reading. Let me scroll through some of these. This tweet says, F right off. Women, you do and celebrate women whatever doing whatever the F they want to with their lives, their bodies, and their futures. Again, this is just a rejection of science. Abortion, as you know, is, is not about one body. It's about two bodies, the body of the mother and of the baby here. But here, here's where we get to my actual point. What was I actually talking about? You know, 280 characters isn't a lot for a larger context. I could write an entire, I could write an entire essay based on that one tweet. But this is what I was actually talking about. Let's read some of these tweets. Um, this is a quote. Uh, but the saddest thing in your world is me at my happiest in mine. Hello from Planet Dink. Dink, of course, is an acronym for double income, no kids. This tweet says, I could not think of something that would ruin my life more than a child. This person says, truly the saddest thing in the world is when people think the only way to experience joy is babies. You know, it brings me joy, traveling. This person says, I'd K, I'm very much enjoying spending the very little disposable income I have on myself or my partner. This tweet says, what bollocks. Some of my happiest friends are those who choose not to have kids. I envy their amazing holidays and carefree lifestyles. They are also awesome aunts and uncles, et cetera, et cetera. So this is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about trading children for materialism. That's what I'm talking about here. It is the saddest thing in the world. Again, it's a figure of speech, people. It is the saddest thing in the world when you see people who are capable of having children, who are able to have children, meaning they don't have an illness that precludes them. They are married. They are financially stable. They're choosing to spend their disposable income on material items. This is, this is, this is choosing between stuff and a soul. That is really sad to see. It's the most amazing thing in the world to bring new life into the world and to help raise that new life and to try to, you know, in the case of my daughter, try to help her be holy, to bring her back to God. That's sanctifying. Um, and we're going to talk about the word sanctifying in just a second because a lot of, a lot of these, these blue check marks, these antinatalists take, have a problem with that word sanctifying. So I want to talk about that. This is, this is another trend I noticed from these antinatalists is they, they were trying to tell me that taking joy in children or encouraging other people to take joy in children is outdated. 
is somehow outdated that this is an oppressive notion. They said, this is a response, Liz here tweeting from 1952, or baffling how in 2022, people still believe having children is and should rank highest on the fulfillment yardstick for everyone. This is the saddest thing in the world, not evolving enough to see there are several ways to individual happiness and fulfillment. Someone else said, toxic sentiment. And one, I am so incredibly tired of dealing with. How many times in my life do I have to be reminded of all the people who believe that I don't have value or worth beyond what my uterus might have provided for them, of course? Truly, the saddest thing in the world is folks still peddling the idea that there aren't any paths in life for women other than marriage and motherhood do catch up. What a statement to make. People have a choice. Not everyone wants to add to the population. Unlike most people who have children, those who choose not to think about it. Did you? Lives are fulfilling with and without children. Return to your conservative corner. So this is very interesting to me because this is this is the radical left telling us what they actually think of children and family. They're not actually about choice. They are actively degrading women who find fulfillment in having children, women who are fulfilled by being mothers, women who take joy in raising their families and loving their kids and having, having, you know, having a large brood here. They are actually telling you that this is antiquated, this is outdated, this is, they're, they're casting it as if it's something patriarchal. And that's incredibly telling because original feminism told us that they were supportive of just women having a choice. They wanted women to have the opportunity to be in the workforce. They didn't want women to not have any choice but to be married and stay home. And that's fine. I mean, I, I it's doubly funny, by the way, for these leftists to claim that I just want to send women back to the kitchen. I, I, You see, I have a career, right? Like you see that I work. I'm a published author. I host a video podcast. I speak all over the country. I work outside the home. I am fully supportive of women who find fulfillment in doing both, in um, not just going back to being June Cleaver, 1950s, wearing high heels while vacuuming, no choice but to be inside the home all day, every day at the whim of their husband. No, no. It's funny that these people are, these leftists are castigating me for that as the reason that they they heard my tweet is because I have a career, because I have a public platform. So again, not so much with the mind over here, but the idea that it's, that it, that women shouldn't find fulfillment in having children, this is what the antinatalist movement is telling you. And there's some very, very interesting statistics and studies that completely that completely debunk this. Before we get to that part, though, the more philosophical part, I want to talk about this, this climate change notion, the, the idea or this argument from these antinatalists that you shouldn't have children because of climate change. Now, do you hear this? If you could see and taste this filet mignon from moinkbox.com, you would order it right now. But for now, let me tell you, it is delicious. And I'm telling you, you've got to get moinkbox.com. I'm vegan, but not the radical vegan, the antinatalist vegan that we're talking about. I'm normal vegan. And so I asked my husband, who is not vegan, um, what his thoughts are on this, on, on Moinkbox. And let's just say he gives a ringing endorsement. I have to cook this quite often. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door. This helps family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. So sign up at moinkbox.com slash Liz. If you use my URL, moinkbox.com slash Liz, then you will get a year of free filet mignon. Then you can pick what meats you want delivered with your first box. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash Liz right now, and you will get free filet mignon for a year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste. It is for a limited time though. 
It's spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash Liz. Moinkbox.com slash Liz. Do it. You'll be glad you did. So here, here are some of the tweets that fall into the you shouldn't have children because of climate change. Somebody says, awkward, dot, dot, dot. It's actually the worst thing you can do for the environment. Someone says, I don't think Liz has ever heard of overpopulation. Someone else says, ah, the pitter-patter of little, little carbon footprints. And this is, this is a, an argument or a trope that we've heard from a lot of famous people recently. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said that she didn't know if she could have children because of climate change. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle said that they were only going to have two children because of climate change. Miley Cyrus said the same thing. No kids because of climate change. There's actually an organization called Birth Strike that tries to lobby women not to have children because of climate change. And the idea of this or the argument behind this is that children lead to carbon emissions and carbon emissions lead to climate change, which is an existential threat to our planet, yada, yada, yada. There's also a secondary argument here um, that, that basically says, why should we bring kids into suffering? If we're expecting our climate to lead to this existential threat to our planet, then why would we want to give birth to children if, if they're only going to, to suffer? Now, let's answer that second part first. The answer to that second part is why should you have children if, if it's inevitable that they're going to suffer is we never know what's around the corner. I mean, I think, think about every bad thing that's ever happened in our world. Think about World War II. It ultimately ended. Think about the Soviet Union, the threat of nuclear war between Russia and the United States. Ultimately, it never happened. Think about, think about even here in our own country. Think about slavery. At some point, it ended. So we never know what is around the corner, in addition to the fact that we never know which child that the left is advocating that you not create and not bring into this world will help solve any of the evils or ills that are facing our country. So the, 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 the argument that we shouldn't bring kids into suffering, I think is a pretty philosophically easy argument to debunk. We never know what's, what's going to happen in the future. We never know which child will save the world. This, of course, is kind of even not taking into consideration the fact that all of the climate change prophecies that we've heard in the last 30, 40 years actually haven't come true. Those catastrophes have not, we haven't faced those catastrophes as we were warned that we should. So imagine choosing not to have a child based on these catastrophes we were told were happen, and then they didn't happen, but it was too late for you to have a child. So that one's pretty easily debunked. Um, the idea that kids lead to carbon emissions, carbon emissions lead to climate change, and climate change is an existential threat to our planet, this is actually in that therefore you shouldn't have children because you don't want to you don't want to continue you don't want to perpetuate this this destruction of the earth. Even climate scientists who buy this premise wholesale the the, the premise that our carbon emissions lead to drastic and dangerous climate change um, that's an existential threat to our planet. Even if you buy into this 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 premise, which for the sake of this argument we're going to buy into for a moment, we'll have to do a whole other episode on whether that premise is faulty, where it's faulty, how it's faulty, and what we should do to address um, governmentally, policy-wise, what we should do to address this issue. But let's, let's just buy into the leftist premise for a second. Even accepting their premise um, that children do create carbon footprints, which causes climate change, which threatens our earth, there's an organization called Founders Pledge, which is very pro-climate change, meaning they buy into this premise as well, and they think that the government should impose pretty radical, pretty serious policies in order to cut carbon emissions. We're talking like the anti-fossil fuels, stop eating red meat, don't fly on airplanes, wealth tax, nonsense, that AOC, like the Green New Deal type policies. So Founders Pledge says that if you don't take any kind of government policy into account, I want, I want to show this, this picture on the screen. This is their chart for 
how individual people can reduce their carbon footprint, what action that you can take as an individual that will reduce your carbon footprint. And as you can see on the left-hand side, um, having one fewer child on this particular chart looks to be the way, far and away, the way that you can reduce your carbon footprint. However, Founders Pledge is very careful to note that this chart does not take into account any government policy. Even government policies that are current law are international agreement or potentially are going to be law. Now, why, why would we take, why is this important? Because we have government policies right now and just a cultural move towards reducing carbon emission. I mean, there's a, there's a downward trend in the carbon emission per person here in the United States. This, this trend downward has been happening since 2005. So government policies and cultural awareness of your carbon footprint has already changed the algorithm that would produce this chart that I'm showing you right now. So fast forward to the second chart. This is the chart that accounts for policy. Now it's juxtaposed against the chart that does not account for policy. But if you account for policies that governments are implementing to try to stop carbon emissions, you can see, look at on the left-hand side, it's the dark green line. It shows that then having one fewer child isn't really by very much the best way to reduce a carbon footprint. It, it, becomes, um, it becomes almost equal statistically insignificant, I would call it, it becomes almost equal to any other lifestyle change. Again, this is all taking, this is all accepting the left's premise on climate change, but sometimes the best way to address a leftist problem or a leftist policy is to accept their premise just for a second, because oftentimes their solution contradicts their premise without even us having to challenge their premise. And that's what we're doing right now. So accounting for policy, having one fewer child does not in any statistically significant way reduce your carbon footprint in a way that you couldn't, um, you couldn't just change your lifestyle in another way and, and have essentially the same result. So then, according to Founders Pledge, now again, I don't necessarily agree with this premise, but this is a very interesting result they have. Founders Pledge says, if you donate $1,000 to a climate charity, an effective climate charity, that then becomes far and away the most effective way to reduce carbon emissions on this earth. It dwarfs, it absolutely dwarfs the carbon emissions reduction that you could have from having one fewer child even accounting for government policy. Look at this third chart, all the way on the right hand, $1,000 to a climate charity, and that all of a sudden becomes just astronomically the best way to reduce carbon emissions. Now, like I said, I can't stop repeating this because it's hard for me to accept a premise like the left's climate change premise. But even using the left's own premise, this, this argument that we hear from antinatalists that you can't have children, you shouldn't have children, that children are bringing about the destruction of the planet because they emit carbon is actually completely debunked. It's debunked to the point that there's a climate scientist by the name of Kimberly Nichols who actually, and she's very, very climate changey very climate changing. She actually says that she disagrees with the argument that you shouldn't have children too. Now, she disagrees for a reason that I find to be somewhat laughable. She says that we have such few years left to solve this problem that the bulk of carbon emissions from people who are still alive are what matter and that the emissions from people who have not yet been born don't really factor into the equation because it's such a short amount of time that we have to, to solve this problem. But all of this is to say, even if by their own premise, they don't have kids, even by their own premise, they don't have kids because climate change stuff is nonsense. So this, this, this brings us then to the antinatalist movement is about something else. It's not just a practical matter. It's not really a policy matter. So what is it about? 
And by the way, um, this is where the left gets really riled up. This is why some of what, some of the responses or a lot of the responses I got were so vicious and so defensive because this is really the whole, what is the meaning of life question, right? This is the whole, what is fulfillment? What is happiness? What is love? What is, what is the purpose of me as a human being here on this earth? And in order to answer that, answer that question, you have to recognize that there exists objective truth. There exists reality, that it's not just, it's not just opinion. It's not just quote unquote lived experience, that there is a, there is a spiritual reality. There is an objective truth in religion and begot of God that exists in our world. And, you know, the further, there, there, there's a famous quote that says, the further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. And I, I thought of this, actually a friend of mine, Kelsey Bowler, um, texted this to me this weekend when, like I said, when my phone was blowing up with these responses and I thought, well, this is exactly right. This is why they're, they're going after me personally. It doesn't hurt my feelings. This is what I do for a living, but they, they cannot, they cannot come to grips with, or they cannot tolerate. They have no tolerance for people who speak objective truth. Um, personally, they hate me personally because they cannot, they cannot come to grips with the spiritual truth that exists. So let's talk for a second about what is the meaning of life? If this, this question is important, this is, this is the underpinning of the anti-natalist movement that unfortunately is becoming bigger. It's going mainstream. You saw the billboards before. Um, so let's talk about this for a second. Now, as you know, I have been working too hard as always. I do not work out enough, even though this was one of my New Year's resolutions. We are nearing April and I would be embarrassed to show you how few times I've worked out um, because I don't have time to get to the gym. However, recently I've been doing a lot better because Echelon Fitness brings the gym home to me. This helps tremendously. It also helps to have world-class instructors like Nicole Griffin and Michael Brown choreographing classes with music from my favorite artists. It also helps to have a community of hundreds of thousands of people who give me that extra push. Echelon Fitness is the affordable way to get the workout equipment, the workout community, and an instructor's motivation right in the comfort and privacy of my own home and your own home too. With Echelon Fitness, you can work out anytime, day or night. Their instructors are supportive, engaging, and fun. Echelon Fitness's full range of affordable workout equipment, this includes stationary bikes, smart rowers, sleek fitness screens, and the auto folding treadmill are all connected to provide the Echelon Fitness experience. I personally like the bike the best because then I can read all these mean tweets while I work out. Win-win. These around-the-clock classes for the family include full-body workout programs that keep you coming back. One membership covers a family of five. Right now, for a limited time, listeners to my show get up to $650 off MSRP. To get this exclusive discount, text LIZ to 81 81818 text LIZ to 818181 to get up to $650 off MSRP. That's LIZ, L-I-Z to 818181. A mandatory disclaimer here, message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. Okay, so basically the antinatalist movement comes down to the question, what is the meaning of life? What, what, what is your purpose here? What is fulfillment? And you have to start with, with religion here. You have to, because you have to. Because when you're talking about love, when you're talking about marriage, when you're talking about charity, when you're talking about children, there's objective truth that's inherent to this. And objective truth, of course, is begot by, by God. You can say it's begot by nature, but what begot nature? God did, of course, a higher, a higher truth, an intelligent designer. Um, the reality of God is a reality. This is objective truth. It's also the source. God is, of course, the source of our definition of fulfillment and love and happiness. Regardless of whether you're a believer in any religion, our idea of morality is based on definitions that 
that were handed down in the Judeo-Christian tradition here. So all this to say, all this to say, um, this this feminist narrative, this anti-natalist narrative that you don't need a man, that marriage is terrible and oppressive, that a career is all you need to be perfectly fulfilled, that religion is antiquated, that monogamy is patriarchal, that promiscuous sex is empowering to you as a woman, that children are stifling and you won't reach your full potential. A generation of women actually listened to this advice. And what happened? Well, According to the Wall Street Journal, 26% of American women are on some kind of mental health medication for anxiety and depression-related problems. This is a quarter of adult women in our country. This is a crisis. This is a mental health crisis. Um, in 2015, Glamour Magazine interviewed women and about what it meant to be happy and found that the majority of women couldn't even explain what it meant to be happy. So what we're facing right now in our country is we're facing a crisis of fulfillment. We're facing an unhappiness crisis. We're facing a crisis where women are lacking a sense of purpose. And this is not my opinion. This is not me projecting a viewpoint on women. This is women in their own words, according to studies, are unhappy, unfulfilled. They are depressed. They are anxious. This is not, this is, if you are a feminist, if you are pro-woman, if you are an advocate for women, then you look at this and you, you would say, this is a problem. This is a problem, and this is a problem that needs to be solved. And then you look at what, what's causing this. What's causing this, and how do we fix this? So let's start with what's true here. There are some objective truths that have nothing to do with my opinion. This is simply informed by reality. The reality is that religious people are happier. I didn't read a lot of the tweets that called me a weirdo religi religioso and all kinds of uh, other anti-Christian or anti-religion tweets because, you know, you only need so many of those. Um, but the fact of the matter is religious people are happier in our country. According to a Pew Research study in the U.S., 36% of actively religious people describe themselves as very happy compared to 25% of inactively religious and 25% of the unaffiliated. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big difference. 36% of people describe themselves as being very happy. Those are actively religious compared to 25% if they are not. So religious people are happier. That is statistically shown. That's empirically true. Married people are also happier than non-married people. This is according to a study done in 2019 in April that said 32% of married adults say they are generally very happy compared with 22% of those of those not currently married. With life satisfaction, the numbers are even more pronounced. 40% of married adults are very satisfied with their lives compared to 24% of unmarried adults in the survey. So all of this is to say that, sure, it's my opinion that you will be happier if you are a Christian, if you marry the right person, if you pursue holiness with that person, if you start a family with that person, if you have children with that person, that is my opinion, but it's also empirically true. It's empirically, statistically proven to be true. Um, part of this happiness and fulfillment is, and we're, we're going through, by the way, each of these feminist tropes, that monogamy is outdated, that marriage is stifling, that children are, that children are a burden, that careers are the only thing that are fulfilling, that promiscuous sex is the only way to be empowered. We're going through each of these, each of these tropes that feminists tell us, and we're, we're, we're showing that they're false. So sex is the next one. Christian married women have better sex. This is opposite of what feminists tell you. This is from a family study survey that said 38% of women and 33% of men in highly religious relationships say they're satisfied with the sexual relationship they have with their partner. That is significantly higher than the 23% of women and 20% of men in secular relationships who are 
satisfied with the sexual relationship they have with their partner. 38% of women, of Christian religious women, 23% of secular women. 33% of men compared to 20% of men. So statistics show promiscuous sex, not the way to go. Christian married women have better sex than their promiscuous secular counterparts here. And here's the other thing. Most most people want to have children. So these antinatalists are actually trying to convince people who want children not to have children. They're not trying to fight for equality for women. They're not trying to fight for choice for women. They're actively trying to convince women who want to have children not to have children or guilt women who want to have children into not having children. 81% of American adults want to or already have children. Um, In fact, a lot of people, a significant percentage of people want more children than they have or wish that they had had more children than they have. 24% of people wish that they want or wish that they had had more children. Now, look at, the, look at the, the, the flip side of this. People who don't want children. How many people don't want children? Well, according to a Polish study, um, only 5% of women and 7% of men in childbearing age don't want children of their own. So you see that 81% of American adults want children compared to only 5% who don't want children. And the reasons that people, the reasons that this very small minority of people don't want children, the reasons actually should not be encouraged because the reasons are what we talked about earlier from these responses. Um, The reasons, mental health issues, physical health issues, um, fear of perpetuating a cycle of abuse. All of these, by the way, could be very valid reasons why someone doesn't have children, but they aren't reasons to celebrate. They aren't reasons to encourage. They are reasons to address, to try to solve because they are begot of things like illness and abuse and sin. So this is a very, the the reality here that we're talking about is very different from what these antinatalists try to push on you. Again, it's also doubly funny when it comes to um, this argument from, from the left that, that, that I think that women should be back in the kitchen or something like that because I'm sitting right here in front of you right now today. You can see me talking to you. This is my career. This is what I do for a living. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I, um, I don't know, the idea that I think that women should only be baby making machines as if there's something wrong with that. That's, it's insulting to women who choose to be stay-at-home moms, by the way, but um, clearly I work, clearly I have a career. So basically these people, it's very clear, they've fallen prey to the feminist narratives. No one's forcing kids on anybody. I am, I am however, encouraging it. I think we should encourage this. We as a society should encourage it, but it's painted so negatively for reasons that contradict reality. Women are told that it devalues them to be mothers and that is... That's a hideous lie. And the result of that has been a generation of women who bought into the feminist narrative come to regret it. There's a sex blogger by the name of Carly Scorantino who um, wrote an article about this. And this is what she said. She said, like many women, I spent most of my 20s wondering if a conventional relationship and family is something that I ever want. If you'd asked me two years ago about having a family, I would have been like, ooh, why would I have kids when I could devote my life to more important things like blogging and attending mediocre sex parties? Like I said, she's very leftist. But now I'm like, I'm too lazy to go out. Maybe I should just start a family. I guess biology is real. There comes a point at which eating steak alone and winking at strangers no longer feels exciting. And you'd rather actually connect with another human being on a level deeper than I'm drunk and you're in front of me. And one thing that I definitely don't want is to hit 35 years old and enter a uterus panic mode. She goes on to say, of course, that sounds unromantic and literally terrifying, but part of me appreciates the harshness of 
being told she had gone on to discuss um, being told that men view older women as maybe who'd been promiscuous as maybe being used. She said, similarly, I've recently become obsessed with clinical psychologist Dr. Jordan Peterson's YouTube channel. One of his common sentiments, and I'm paraphrasing this, is women, I know we live in a modern society where you are told to prioritize your career and put off marriage and family until later. But the reality is just because you're a woke feminist with a trendy loft apartment who's passionate about her career doesn't mean that you've somehow transcended your biology. Most people, women especially, who don't end up forming a family unit will live to regret it. She concludes by saying, not long ago, I would have brushed this off as misogynistic, but I'm starting to wonder if that's simply a cop-out because I'm afraid of dealing with this harsh reality. And she, this, this is not an isolated incident. There was a caller to the Dennis Prager radio show back in 2018 who said the same thing. This is what she said. She said, Dennis, I'm 50 years old with four college degrees. I was raised by a feminist mother with no father in the home. My mother told me to get an education to the maximum level so that you can get out in the world, make a lot of money. And that's the path I followed. I make adequate money. I don't make a ton of money, but I do make enough to support my own household. I want to tell women in their 20s, do not follow the path that I followed. You're leading yourself to a life of loneliness. All your friends will be getting married and having children and you're working to compete in a world. And what you're doing is competing with men. Men don't like competitors. Men want a partner. It took me until my late 40s to realize this. And by the time you have your own household with all your bills, you can't get off that track because now you've got to make the money to pay your bills. It's hard to find a partner in your late 40s, she said, to date because you also start losing self-confidence about your looks, your body. It's not the same as it was in your 20s. You try to do what you can to make your life fulfilling. I have cats and dogs, but it's lonely when you see your friends having children, going on vacations, planning the lives of their children, and you don't do anything at night but come home to your cats and dogs. I don't want other women to do what I have done. And she tells him at the end of this, this call that she did this because her feminist mother told her that that's what would be fulfilling. Her feminist mother pushed these false ideas of fulfillment, that promiscuous sex was empowering, that monogamy was outdated, that marriage is stifling, that children are a burden, that she doesn't need any of this to live a fulfilling life. And um, she listened to that and she's come to regret it. And so my, my question at the end of this, and I know that this has gotten very philosophical after responding to a lot of these mean tweets. My question is this, if kids are not the meaning of life, then what is? If kids aren't the purpose of your life, then what is? Is it your job? Is it your stuff? Is it money? Is it material possessions? Is it a form of atheism or paganism where something else is on a higher pedestal? What is? And this is the answer that I would give, and I'm not being pithy. I'm not being snarky. I'm not being disrespectful. This is my sincere question to all of these antinatalists who are, who are trying to snap back at me. If a family and children and a husband and the love of these people and your sacrificial love to them is not the purpose of your life, then what is? I'm sincerely interested in knowing the answer to that because I think the answer to that will not only be very telling, but also will debunk the feminist narrative that tells women that they can find fulfillment by rejecting what they are essentially biologically and spiritually ordained to do. And I say spiritual because of course there's spiritual truth to this. Um, that's, that's why I use the word sanctify in my original tweet. I said it's the most sanctifying thing in the world. Sanctify, of course, means to make holy. Um, to make holy means to be set apart. That's what marriage is. Marriage is not just a partnership or a contract. Marriage is in the Christian worldview, Marriage is 
supposed to be representative of the love that Christ has for his bride, the church. Marriage is our earthly way of understanding the mythical union or the love that God has for um, for us, his children. And that's what the, sacrifice, the sacrificial love of parenthood is. It's our paltry, um, earthly understanding or the limit to our understanding of how much God loves us and how he sacrifices for us. And it is holy. So you can't, you can't remove the spiritual truth from the definition of fulfillment because this is how we were created. You can't remove the objective reality of God from your life because it exists whether or not you acknowledge it. And you can't remove yourself from your biological ordination to want to participate in the procreation of children with a spouse who loves you and you love them. That's simply the, the reality, the reality of our life. And it, it all is holy. And I do encourage people um, to, to take part in this because it is wonderful. It is fulfilling. It is sanctifying. Um, and I will be speaking at the Young America's Foundation's Faith and Freedom Conference it's in Reston, Virginia, right outside Washington, D.C. on April 22nd and 23rd. If you use my promo code, L-I-Z, of course, it's my name. It's always my name. Um, you go to lizwheelershow.com slash YAFCON. That's lizwheelershow.com slash Y-A-F-C-O-N. Short for Y-A-F conference, obviously. lizwheelershow.com slash YAFCON. Use promo code Liz and uh, you will get a good deal on your registration for that event. That is April 22nd and 23rd, Young America Foundation's Faith and Freedom Conference. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.